Welcome to episode 228. Younger generations don't seem to give like their parents or grandparents do, but it's not a lack of generosity. They just do it different. Overcoming the generational giving divide. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now... Here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 228 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm Jason Tucker, here again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Jason, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, this is one of those days you, he saw me when before we hit record. I was running into my office out of breath. Uh, we were putting in rubber tiles in our playground. I was talking, you know, shop with someone about some ministry opportunity. And man, it was, it's just been one of those weeks where the intensity level ratcheted up a few notches, which I love is awesome. And I think probably we're all experiencing something of that, of like, man, things are picking up steam here. We're really starting to starting to move again. And it sounds like the same for Tower Hill. You guys have, you know, folks showing up again and, 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 you know, we're not again. I mean, you guys have had people, but the, you know, it's sort of coming out in new numbers and new highs since the pandemic. And, and so we're all kind of, I think, uh, running around a little bit right now in a good way. Yeah. And, and yet, as we think about the ministry we, we want to do, I had this experience where uh, this family has been coming for a while and we just weren't ready to integrate them into the life of the church. Our systems just weren't quite back on track enough. And I think they've since drifted out of our life again. And it it was kind of a sad thing to me. And it was like, okay, how are we going to resource our ministries again? Get volunteers that we need, uh, get the the staffing positions we need again. Uh, How are we going to finance all that stuff that we need again? And that's really the substance of our conversation today is we have great ministry that we want to do. There's opportunities in front of us. How do we generate a heart for generosity and giving in the church that can carry us into the next season of our ministry? And you're going to help us think in terms of the kind of a generational divide when it comes to giving. So let's just jump in. I'm sure everybody can't wait for for us to share our thoughts on this. I mean, it's such a huge, important topic. It really is. And the truth is funding always lags behind vision. Hmm. And I'm especially feeling that lag right now because the vision is changing as things are opening up, as more people are coming back or new people are coming. As I was sharing before we hit record, it seemed like this last weekend was a magical weekend for whatever reason that people either came back or new people showed up. And it was the most people we've had in our building on a non-holiday since the pandemic began. So uh, on the other hand, we had all of these sort of systems stressors. We didn't have enough Sunday school volunteers, clearly. And the Lord strung it together. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those Sundays. Um and and I feel like even with giving and how we want to resource things, there are things coming up that we realize we need, whether it's staffing uh, here in the near future or whether it's program related. We're realizing, hey, you know, it seems like the question on, on the tip of everyone's tongue is, do we have money to do that right now? Hey, we need to do this. Do we have any money for that? Is there a fund somewhere? Has, has there been memorial gifts? Like, where can we find the money? We're sort of scraping a little bit. And giving is behind where we need to be right now. 
So I sent out a, a stewardship blast, uh, which looks like a, a brief video with some talking points. I'll talk a little bit, bit about that um, later, but we blast that out. We'll talk about it for three weeks because honestly, you know, we're a nonprofit and the mission goes as far as the community is willing to fund. And one of the things I hear all the time from folks in my church and from other churches is, well, young people just don't give like their parents do or their grandparents did. And how do we get them to give? How do we get them to fill out a pledge card? How do we get them to participate in the way we build our budget? Because many churches build it off the backs of pledge cards. And as you and I know, if you're under 50, you're probably not interested in giving that way. So what do you do about it? There's a generational divide when it comes to giving. And all you have to do is watch TV for a little while and you'll see uh, Sarah McLaughlin singing about the, the dogs and realize like that is how younger generations give. They give based on emotion and it's typically spontaneous based off sort of feeling inspiration. And older generations, it's not that they don't need inspiration, but for many of them, they, they understand the obligation of giving a tithe or understand like this is a critical part of the mission and ministry of this church is my giving in a regular, sustainable, they could count on me kind of way. And what do we, I'm like, what do we do with that? We're not going to change generations of young people to see it the other way. At least I don't think we will. So what do we do? Because this is a really important thing. How do we get giving to move forward? As they say at North Point, they say we can inspire to give people for people to give spontaneously, but they have to be trained to give systematically. Hmm. And I always thought that was really helpful. So today we got some stuff that, you know, between Jesse and I that we do in our churches. And also I have some notes from some, uh, I think it was a breakout session that I had at North Point on giving. So specifically today is all about overcoming the generational divide when it comes to giving, which I know a lot of churches are asking about. Mm -hmm. So I think as a, before we go into a list of like the three buckets that I have, let's call this bucket zero. The starting point is I want what God wants. I want people to flourish. And in order for them to flourish, they have to have a healthy relationship with money. It's clearly part of our discipleship journey. Jesus talks about it more than any other subject. So whatever it is that I do, you know, um, we're not like any other nonprofit. We are a nonprofit, but the first thing I care about is I actually think giving is part of a spiritual discipline that will increase the proximity of their walk with God. And, and for me, that's an important starting point. I don't know. Is, is that, I know that's how you guys think too in your church. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. If people feel like it's a conversation, and we'll get into this, but it's not something that happens in a three-week stretch once a year, you know, where we make an ask or something. This is an ongoing conversation in which we're talking about how do we, uh, what's our spiritual approach to, to finances, to our money and the stuff money can buy? How do we approach that? How do we understand it in light of our faith? And then what are some healthy practices around the way we relate to money and the stuff money can buy? That will protect us from greed, from debt, from the tyranny of our stuff. I mean, there's so much to say about money apart from giving 
that if you can build in some healthy conversation along the way, people are going to feel like you're for me in this. You're not just asking me for something. You want me to have a healthy relationship. And we believe as Christians that giving is a part of having a healthy relationship with money. So that's part of the deal. And then, of course, the, the realities of the nonprofit world are that we are going to make some asks in order to support the mission and ministry that we are called to together. So yeah. blending all those pieces, I think, is a little bit of um, something you have to think through and practice and not just uh, shoot from the hip about. Yeah. And so what are the differences of it's all about approach. And, you know, I think for younger generations or, you know, let's just call it not sort of youngish, <laughs> under 50s, um, is traditional stewardship campaigns don't really resonate in the same way. Here are a couple of reasons why. We talked about the first, and that is just how they like to give. They're more likely to give in chunks and, and based off of inspiration, even rather than recurring gifts. So we'll talk about recurring gifts in a minute. But also, when, when it comes to giving, there's sort of a, an allergic reaction people have to hearing the church talk about money, and for good reason. I'm a natural skeptic, and I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough to not trust churches with my money. You know, I, I could easily be persuaded that that is a bad investment uh, because of all of the misuse and abuse and everything else that we have seen all in the headlines. I mean, you know, we've all seen those stories too. We watch those movies and TV shows that make fun of it. And um, there's a nugget of truth and all of that. So, so it, I think the approach matters in that it needs to be part of a holistic way of understanding discipleship. So again, a, a one-off stewardship campaign where you're doing like three stewardship sermons and, with an ask, I, I think there's a little bit of, of an allergic reaction to that, or maybe not as warm a reaction to dripping it in on a regular basis where it's appropriate throughout the year in, in a ton of sermons talking about how generosity and giving, I mean, this is all part of what God calls us to do. I think that's actually a more effective strategy than, than a push. Now, maybe it's a little different when you're doing a capital campaign, mm -hmm. but like a regular annual stewardship campaign, I would, actually, I would actually pump the brakes on a traditional looking campaign and try to drip it into your sermon. Preach about stewardship often. Bake it into the recipe, right? Um, yeah. You know, one thing that they talk about, and I know you guys do this, North Point says develop consistent stewardship terminology. So it's something that people come back to and sort of understand, hey, this is part of what it means to live a life of faith. And, and they don't just hear about it like when there's a need. It's they hear about it often as part of their discipleship journey. Tell us about some of the terminology I know you guys use. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I, I think um, you're, you're right spot on. There are times when we'll teach on this without any kind of an ask at all. And I think that's important where we're not, we're not, you know, trying to raise money for a new staff position or, you know, capital campaign and, and that kind of thing. So some of the terminology that we use that we borrowed um, from our friends at North Point, give, save, live on the rest. Like uh, here's, you, you want to have a healthy approach to your finances, give first, because that tells your money and the stuff your money can buy that it's not the boss of you that God's in charge of your life. And so you're, the first thing that does when a check comes into your life is you give some of it away just to show it who's boss. We give first. We, so we, we, we can 
we can have a healthy relationship and, and avoid some of the pitfalls of over, overdoing it. Then we save because we got to have save for a rainy day and you never know what's going to happen and we shouldn't worry about tomorrow, but it's good to be wise and prudent and to save for the future. And th- when we do that, then we're setting ourselves up to be in a position to be even more generous with the people around us and be ready. Uh, and then live on the rest. If you give, save and live on the rest and you don't uh, spend more than you have over and over and over again, you're going to be in a healthy place. You'll be free from debt. You you won't have that weight around you. So there's a miniature sermon, right? I didn't ask for anything. I wasn't asking people to now go to the back of the sanctuary and put a check in the box. You know, It was just, hey, here's a healthy approach that represents the teaching of scripture in our approach to our finances. And so um, that we do, we bring that probably three or four times a year. I will use those, that, that sort of, I don't know, elevator speech, if you will, give, save, live on the rest. And, and if I were sort of framing this just as, again, I care about people's flourishing. If I don't help equip people with a healthy understanding of money, it's almost irresponsible to ask them to give it to us. Like, like yeah. if I don't teach, help somebody get out of debt, it's almost irresponsible to, to ask them for money. I, I mean, you know, theologically, obviously, that, you know, there it, it is, it's part of your discipleship journey. But at the same time, just practically speaking, like if we're not about helping people to flourish, then we're kind of doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. Yep. I think so. Yeah. There's some other terms we can get into some of this stuff, but we talk about in terms of, uh, we think giving should be progressive, but you got to start somewhere. So start small, start with what you can do. Think in terms of a percentage, make it a priority. Uh, So the three P's again, borrowing from our friends at North Point, it's just so portable, memorable, good stuff. And so find your terminology, find what works, bring it in consistently and teach on it when it's not just, you know, it's not a campaign that you're doing, but just as part of helping people have that healthy approach. Do you, do you ever do sort of, um, I, I know we've done financial peace university and some mm-hmm. other, th- I don't know how everybody feels about Dave Ramsey. It seems yeah. to be sort of a lightning rod, but, um, you know, have you done some things like that? So if you're looking at finances as sort of a, a more holistic mm-hmm. approach, how are we helping people get better in their finances? You know? Yeah. Is that something you guys do? Yeah, we've done one called Crown, Crown Financial Ministries. Oh, yeah, I've heard of similar, that. Um, similar to the Ramsey stuff. I mean, you're going to get basically the same, you know, debt snowballs and uh, and then building a life of generosity and and moving towards building wealth so that you can make an impact on the world. I mean, it you know, that basic picture of, of biblical stewardship um, of not being saddled with debt and not giving into the, to the greediness of our, our culture, but living a different way. So yeah, crown has been really uh, uh, one that we've turned to. Um, that's been helpful. We've had a few of our folks that are really passionate about helping lead that and help people find that, that, uh, financial peace, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Now a financial peace university is crowned the same way where it's uh, it's a national thing. So people will see when they're looking for it, they'll see what are the locations that are offering it. Is it that kind of thing? I don't remember if there's that aspect to it. I'm sure that there probably is. Um, I would have to ask our crown leaders if that's yeah, the case. Or I, the not, only but, reason I yeah. ask is because when it came to the Dave Ramsey course, some of the people, some of the younger families that we, uh, Karen and I became closest with hmm. came to us because they signed up to do yeah. financial peace and then they ended up joining the church. Yeah. And, that's and good, now they're yeah. like integral in the church. So I mean, it's so like it's another good outreach opportunity, really teaching absolutely. people to have a healthy relationship to their finances is it's good. Even if you're not a Christian, 
and you never want to, you're not interested in the God thing. This is just a good approach. It's a healthy approach. Yeah. So a drip approach, uh, throughout every, you know, all your preaching moments throughout how you communicate discipleship, um, is just make it part of the way that you talk about your walk with God. Mm-hmm. Um, cause again, it's about flourishing. Now, the second bucket is younger generations don't carry cash. I even, I like, I really don't carry cash anymore. I know it's funny because I do have a couple of friends and they all, it's like cash all the, and they got like the wad of cash, you know, <laughs> I'm like, man, how do you even do that? I don't have any cash. Um, so, you know, if you're passing around an offering plate and you have a visitor, say you have a young family visiting or, or you have young families in your church, chances are they're not dropping cash. We don't even do a, an offering anymore. At least we don't pass the plates. We have baskets in the back, but most of our folks are online. That's the next bucket. But before that, you know, They'll do recurring giving. They will participate in online giving. If your church has been slow to switch to online giving or to include online giving, I'm telling you, speed that up. You need that. That is the giving of not just the future, but of the right now. Yeah. We, the biggest shift that we had in our church finances happened when we introduced e-giving and we made it easy for them. So we, we had hardly anybody on it in like, I would say as late as 2017, might've been 2018. And then we knew we needed to make it easier. We needed a better platform and everything. So we, um, I forget how I heard about push pay, but I reached out to them and they sort of explained their process. Now push pay isn't cheap, but they do make a promise. Like if you don't increase this percentage then that year is free in your first year. You won't pay the, whatever the fee is, which was pretty large from what I remember. It was like a few thousand dollars. So, so we did it. We went push pay and thank God we did because we ended up, uh, we ended up making it and making the percentage. So um, push pay got their money, but it, it changed our entire budget because what happened was all these folks who could care less about a pledge card. They got into recurring giving, which is the same thing, really recurring giving. And it's even better. And here's why as attendance patterns continue to change, people are coming to church less often. So what would usually happen is if they weren't in church and they weren't going to drop their check in the plate or whatever it was, but now, I mean, whether they're there or not, the recurring gift keeps recurring and it really is a huge help. And it's also helping families to be as faithful as they want to be with giving. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, such a big win. And I know a lot of old school treasurers and finance teams get really nervous about it. You, you can't be nervous anymore. This is really the way forward. And I'm telling you, you won't regret doing it. But you guys use a different platform. I want to Share, you know, yeah. I push pay doesn't pay me anything, although they should to talk about <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we went to online giving, uh, even before, I don't know, maybe 2012 or something like that. And so I would say probably 70 plus percent of our, our, our giving happens through our online giving. Um, and, uh, even some of the folks that maybe would be more resistant to that, you might think generationally have gotten on board, especially the pandemic has, has really helped turn the tide there. And just, it makes it, it's easy, it's accessible. And, uh, there are some questions I want to raise about it. Just, I think we got to think about these things and anticipate them, but we use a platform called breeze 
Um, I think it's really excellent for small to medium sized churches. It comes with a database management piece, some schedule stuff that helps and integrates with websites and then online giving that's really easy to use. And um, so that's our, that's been our platform. It's worked really well. And uh, I think it's important when you do pick whatever platform you're going to go with that you stick with it for a while. If you keep changing that and you have to keep re-signing people up, there's, I think you're going to always have attrition there. So what we moved to initially was we continue to do pledge cards for those that wanted to do pledge cards, but we said there are kind of, there's three ways to commit to giving one. You can just keep on giving and make a commitment between you and God that you're going to do that. Don't have to tell anybody. Uh, the second one is turn in this pledge card because it really helps us budget and plan ahead. So if that's you, you want to make that kind of pledge commitment and that helps you in your spiritual discipline, do that. And the third way is set up a recurring gift on Breeze. Let us know that you're going to be giving and you're going to do that consistently. And we'll consider that to be a pledge commitment from you and your family. And so we just kind of created permission for different ways of doing it. Um, we had moved away from the offering, passing the plate, Jason, like you guys did, partly because we were getting the offering plate to the back of the sanctuary with not much in it. And it was sort of embarrassing if you're a guest and you get an offering plate that's two thirds of the way through the congregation and there's like $5 like, <laughs> and maybe one or two check envelopes. Like that's a little bit awkward, right? So collectively as a session, our leadership team said, hey, let's put an offering box in the back. Let's mention it sometimes, refer to it, uh, give thanks for the ways that people are giving, acknowledge it, um, and yet not pass the plate. Um, I know liturgically, you know, for some churches, that's a that's a change, right? Where you you know you might bring the offering plates forward at at the end or something. So there's an adjustment there, but there was a couple of questions that we were wrestling with related to online giving, and one had to do: Would we allow people to give with a credit card? Or not? Would they need to set up a bank, uh, you know, ACH transaction, or would we allow, you know, credit card transactions? And I think that's a, a legitimate conversation because we don't want people to get into debt and have to pay interest right. on a right. gift to the church. I mean, yeah. this is not what we're after, right? At all. We want people to be healthy. And so ultimately, we decided though that we would make sure people were aware of of the finance fees and things related to credit card giving, but that we would trust our people to know what is good and best and healthiest for them. And so if people want to get airline miles off their giving to the church, I guess that's a between them and God thing. But um, that's how a lot of people engage with their world is their, their credit card is the primary means of their financial transactions. They pay it off every month, they're responsible. So we didn't want to take that off the table, but it was worth a conversation just to say, is that you know, we never, we don't want anybody going into debt because they gave, you know, that's the opposite of what we're trying to help people accomplish. So yeah, that's a little bit of our. Yeah. Approach. Yeah. And if you just think about all of this for a moment, it makes total sense. I don't know if this is what it's like where you live, Jesse, but for us, you know, I, this is how life is lived outside the walls of the church. We're, we're ordering, you know, things from DoorDash or we're uh, ordering this, ordering that, or we're using Venmo to pay uh, the guy that's training the boys in football, you know, for off season workouts. Like we're just, you know, Oh yeah. Venmo $20 to so-and-so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. It's just how, you know, if you, if you have kids that are, you know, school aged, that's how you're making a lot of your financial tra transactions with, Oh yeah. You know, we all went to dinner and you know, everybody Venmo 30 bucks for your share, you know, whatever it is. 
that's just how they're used to giving. So let's make it easy for them to do that when it comes to church. Yep, so yep. think about how do we make it easy? So we, we offer as many different ways as we can. We say you can go to our website and there's information how to do that. You can uh, click a button and give. You can learn how to transfer stock. You can learn how to do all of those things. We have a church app. You could give from the app. You could text to give. We can, right? And we just make that all really clear and, and easy. Again, if it's easy, people are going to do it. They'll get used to it. They'll find their way. And man, um, don't you think the mission's worth trying to make, you know, remove the obstacles for people to get yeah. by things. Well, and I, I think people like to see that we're giving them a tool for giving that meets them where they are. And um, people are really generous. People want to give and be a part of things. And so we got to facilitate that in a way that, um, yeah, makes it makes it straightforward. That where you don't have to ask 30 questions in order to do something, you know. So um, the good thing is there's a lot of great companies out there that have worked hard to set churches up for success with this. And so Hopefully, our, you know, as you're listening in, maybe you already have one that you're working with and uh, Push Bay or Breeze might be worth looking at, but there's all kinds of great options uh, for this. And, or maybe you're working with a finance team or committee that's stuck and they're not sure what to do and just mm-hmm. tell them other churches, you know, listen to this podcast of these pastors, they're talking about e-giving and saying how it transformed giving in their church. I'm telling you, it's yes, that it is the way. So um, again, I just want to encourage you to to give them that push if if they're stuck. And then the third bucket, this may be the most important one, is to make sure that you're connecting giving with ministry impact. Um, there are a few ways that you do that. The first is don't just collect money and funds and never spend them. To me, that is one of the classic and oft made mistakes when it comes to stewardship because people think never spending money is good stewardship. That is not true. Spending money for ministry impact is good stewardship. Because here's the thing, when people give, like let's say this happens a lot with memorial gifts. Somebody decides in their will they want to give this much to the church. But then, you know, they make this decision like in their 60s and for the next 20 years, they just proceed to watch the church accumulate a memorial fund that never gets spent. Nobody's allowed to touch it. It's like the nest egg or the rainy day fund, which is well and good. But they're just like, I don't I don't want my money to just sit and not get spent. That's a waste. And which is a generosity killer. And a lot of people will just take their money. You know what? I think I'm going to do something else or I, I want to give it specifically to this, you know, like the, uh, you know, whatever extremely specific thing they give to the church that you can only spend. And then it turns out you can never spend it because it's way too specific. But the point is, is you want to show how people's giving or even how they give, you know, as a memorial gift, how that makes a difference on ministry impact. So you got to talk about it. And this is something I need to do better at when it comes to memorial gifts, especially. I don't talk enough about that. So important though. Because that encourages more giving. Yeah, I think if you're not putting resources to use for the mission, I consider that to be a leadership stewardship issue too. Like, what are we doing if we're, you know, so there's a tension between responsibility and being wise and having savings for a rainy day and then being so cautious that nothing good ever happens. How many times have you heard a story of of a church with a lot of resources, but no 
forward movement or mission and you go put some of those resources to to work, hire a new staff, do something to try to get the, the ball rolling. Because what's the point of having all this money in the bank if if you're just shriveling up and and you're not you're not moving forward? And so, man, I think that's really crucial. So for us, we we um, have set a bar that we want to have a six month reserve. Uh, you know, just to be wise, um, and we think that's a really healthy buffer. We have some financial triggers in our system. If we get below a certain amount in our in our cash flow in our bank account, it triggers a conversation about stewardship and 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 uh, in our finance and session level. And so we have some good policies in place. But the goal of those policies is to deploy as many of the resources towards ministry as we can responsibly without being cavalier. And, uh, and, and, and being unwise. And so you got to figure out what that line is for you. And, um, and if you're clear with people about those policies and procedures and saying, when you give, we're going to do our best to deploy those dollars, stretch them for ministry. Here's the impact that you're having through your giving. Thank you so much. When you give, this is what we do. Um, you know, um, that goes so far. I mean, we've even done the thing, the trick where you take a dollar and you, divide it up, you draw lines in it according to the percentage of what goes to what part of the church and the ministry operations and things. And try to tell the story of where your giving goes in a variety of ways, because it's going to connect with people differently. Yeah. A narrative budget is really important, you know, as you're presenting it to the congregation or, or a challenge budget, or, you know, we, we call it our growth budget. Um, you know, how are we going to continue to grow in our impact through the dollars that we're allocating for this? And will you join us on this mission? You always have to talk budget, especially if you do that once a year and you talk budget, talk about it, make sure it's framed within mission and vision because, uh, you know, that's, that answers the question. What is this money for? Yeah. And I think this is how you get your leadership to buy into when they see that at the, the leadership level, the session level or board level, we're really looking to be proactive in ministry. And so this year at Marine V, we're actually budgeting for a deficit at the end of the year because we had two years of, of with just a, a modest surplus. And we were like, you know what? This is the year we, we can reach a little bit further and pr- maybe even end the year at a, something of a deficit, but we think it's going to pay off down the road. This is the year to invest in ministry, yeah. to rebuild for what's next. And uh, so I, anyway, we're beating this point up, but you get the idea. <laughs> Put their resources to use and tell yeah. the story because it's, it's going to invite people in. And then uh, I just want to close with, I thought these were really good. This again was from North Point Stuff the generosity killers, uh, they called them. And they were specifically talking about um, high-end giver, givers, you know, the, the folks who are like, sort of like the highest givers in the church, that these will, this will alienate them really quickly, these four things. Ingratitude, if they perceive the church is not thankful. Waste, they perceive that the church is wasting, and sometimes waste means not spending money. Duplicity, I mean, obviously that's, that's not good if they feel like you're saying one thing and doing another with the money and ambiguity. If there's not some sort of focus on this is what we need the money for. This is why this is what we're reaching for. It's not, no, we just need more money. Cause, cause we need more money, you know, like <laughs> so yeah. that, that kills generosity. So think about that as you're thinking about stewardship or church-wide stewardship. Yeah, I think that's spot on Jason. And, um, I wish we we did a better job of this and we worked on systems for this and we've never just quite haven't gotten there where anytime somebody gives the first time that they get a thank you letter 
yeah. uh, that says, hey, we noticed that you gave. Thanks so much for supporting our mission and ministry. And just acknowledging that, lifting it up, not as a way to to trick people into doing more, but to acknowledge something healthy and good that's happening. Um, and then I do think you, you, you started out with this, that clear vision or the more that you can gain clarity around the direction that God's leading you in. All of this comes in behind it as you as you talk about, hey, isn't it exciting that we're thinking about fill in the blank? And I, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And here's what it's going to take to get there. Um, I think that's that's something that I would want to be a part of, right? It's yeah. something that I would get excited about giving to. And Callie and I, we take our giving so super seriously. It's an important discipline in our lives. And I don't want to waste my money. I don't want to waste the, the, yeah. the resources that I send to the church. So, you know, being good stewards is uh, is crucial. And communication is a big part of that. What's it for? What are we doing with it? Why does it matter? Thank you. Those are all good things. Because here's the thing. For younger generations, it's not that they're not generous. They just give differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our church now, we're at a point where two-thirds of our our, you know, annual budget is paid for by our younger members. Mm-hmm. And, um, generous churches just don't happen accidentally is the point of this. It it happens through, um, helping them understand how this plays into being a disciple and how we do it together in a life on mission as a, you know, community of faith. So I hope this is helpful to all of you as you're thinking about giving. I know all of us churches, it's again, funding always lags behind vision. (laughs) And it's like, you just kind of wish funding would outpace vision every once in a while. but. But I think that's what causes us to lean out in faith and take risks for the sake of the kingdom. So anyway, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Anything before we close here today, Jesse? You know, Jason, just that I know this is a huge, important topic. It's maybe not our favorite one uh, as pastors, not why we got into ministry to do fundraising and stuff like that, but it's so crucial. So if if a conversation with Jason or I I would be helpful or just even an email question, reach out to us, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. And we love to dialogue and talk shop with you. Maybe you're doing something out there that's working really well that we can learn from too. So uh, be in touch with us. We always enjoy engaging with folks. Because ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.